0: we're back okay let me uh let me pray lord thank you so much for this passage and we just pray for your holy spirit to help us to understand um, what you would have for us god that we would uh um realize that you go before us lord and that uh you will be with us in the midst of desperate times and you will win the victory And we pray that in christ's name amen um so we've been doing the Wilderness Saints, and we are in one of the most dramatic passages in all of the scriptures, the uh, deliverance of Israel out of Egypt, the crossing of the Red Sea, the victory of God. And so we're, we're talking about tonight this idea of, of uh, how the Israelites, in the midst of the battle, they wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted to turn back. And so that's going to be a theme we're going to look at in this passage and how we can go forward uh, towards the Lord and follow him in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our hearts that want to turn back and go um, back to our old ways, back to bondage, back to sin. And so um, last night I, I watched a movie again called Dunkirk. Maybe you've seen it. It's Christopher Nolan. It's a couple of years old. It's an excellent film. And it's based on a real story about the British and French forces uh, during World War II were pushed by the Germans into the Dunkirk Beach up against the uh, the English Channel. And they had nowhere to go. And the German army was pressing in. And there were some like 400,000 troops on the beach. But they couldn't, they couldn't get out because... The, the water was too shallow, the ships couldn't get close enough to the shore, and the German planes were just bombing them, and so the story in the movie looks at several different people, but there's these three dudes, Harry Styles is actually one of them, that um, are just, I think they're just in France, and they're just regular British guys that were over there, and they want to get out as well, but they're not soldiers. So they're like stealing the uniforms off of uh, the British, the dead British soldiers on the beach. And they're being really, really persistent. They try to be medics and carry someone through onto the mole, which is this big, basically, this big pier that stretches out so that the boats they can get on the boat. And uh, they're unsuccessful. And then they, they, they see this washed-up boat, and they get into that, and they think that's going to float them out, and, they, and they, they can go. And that doesn't work. And uh, they get on one ship, and that ship's torpedoed. And it's just this – they have this perseverance. They finally are able to get on this little uh, sailboat that was, came over because what happened was Churchill – told all the peoples that have boats in England to take the boat across the English Channel and rescue the British Army. I mean, it's, it's very dramatic. And, uh, but I was thinking about that story as I thought about this story because Israel is pressed up against the Red Sea and they have the, you know, the Egyptian army is coming for them and Pharaoh, and it's not just 600 chariots, it's 600 chariots and more chariots and horsemen that are all coming down upon them. And in the midst of that, um, the question is, some of them want to go back. They're like, Moses, why have you let us out here? Like, are there not enough graves in Egypt? Like, you're sending us out here into the desert to die. And really, that becomes a theme for Israel all through the wilderness. They want to go back. They want to go back to, you know, their onion and leek sandwiches back in uh, Egypt. They, they want to have their own food back and they don't like this uh, idea that they're going to have to go through the wilderness to get to the promised land. And I would say we are like that. You know, we, we tend to want to run back to our sin. We want to run back to the easy life and God is calling us and he's providing for us in salvation, but our sin nature's, desire to like run back and serve ourselves and to serve our idols and so um you know this is a big theme in scripture turning back we remember Lot's wife you know she was delivered from Sodom and Gomorrah but she turned around and she became a pillar of salt and we have Peter you know who was with the Lord for those three years and he denied him you know three times the night he was arrested before the crucifixion and uh and so a big part of the christian faith is going forward and in faith and not turning around and i would say it's always a it, you know it's kind of the counting of the cost but there's always this desire inside of us often that we want to just turn back and what this passage is calling us to do is to keep going forward paul said in Philippians 3 he says not that I've already attained this or I'm already perfect but I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own brothers I do not consider that I made it my own but one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus and so I want to encourage us today as we think about like the second half of the semester. And, you know, we can see the end of the tunnel with COVID-19 and the vaccine is rolling out and some of us have it. Um, and you guys hopefully will have it in, in, you know, a few weeks. Um, but we're still under the cloud of this year and, you know, this, Book of Exodus is a story of redemption, the way out, actually. It's Greek for the way out. That's what the word means. And so God has provided a way out uh, for us uh, to follow him. And so the main point tonight is because the Lord alone delivers, we must follow and not turn back. Just like those three guys in Dunkirk were just persistent. They were doing anything they could to get off that beach. And uh, we're called to be persistent. We're called to follow and not turn back. And so how can we do that? Three things. Remember God's plan. Two, actively pursue God's guidance. And three, share in God's victory. And so first thing is this. Remember God's sovereign plan. And so in the beginning of this passage that Dylan read, uh, they talk about carrying Joseph's bones, Back to Canaan. And so when they left uh, Egypt through the Passover, you know, the 10th the plague that God gave them and they were delivered and they leave uh, out of Egypt, they, they remembered Joseph's bones and they take, you know, his bones with them. And I mentioned that because uh, God's promise was to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob is Joseph's fr- Joseph's son. And it was always believed within the Jewish community of Israel that God was going to bring them to the promised land. This is now 350 years later from the time Jacob came down to Egypt. They were just 70 people. Now they're, the uh, historians believe they're, they're 3 million. So they've grown in those 350 years to 3 million people, 3 million slaves, and God has now set them free. <clears throat> but the point is, is that they were remembering the covenant the whole time. They were remembering that God had a plan for them, that God was going to take them to the promised land. And so they, it says in 5025, Jacob, for God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. Joseph said this, they remembered, they remembered the promise of the promised land that, Covenant to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so part of what it means to continue forward towards the Lord and not turn back means we got to remember the God's big story. We got to remember God's plan that even though it looks really, really bad right now, 350 years in slavery, but God didn't forget them. He listened to their cry, and God had delivered them. And so uh, remember back. Don't forget the big picture. God is working. God has promised. And so when you're doubting, when you're thinking, oh, this, how can this be true? How can this Christian faith be true? Remember the big picture and how God has been faithful over the many years and that the scriptures are centuries old. We're in this really short time period of the 21st century, right? And we think like we have all the knowledge, we have all the expertise. Well, We're like a, we're just like a short vapor, James says, you know, and God is eternal and God has been drawing, you know, he's been creating this story and these promises. And so look, look to the promises and remember that's, that's what helps get you through when you're going, when you're wanting to leave it, when you're wanting to just run back into your old life. Second thing is that uh, we're to actively pursue God's guidance and so there's three little subpoints points here the cloud the direction and Moses and so so what you have in this story is God is providing an active guidance system with the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night and uh it's really pretty amazing this this cloud did not depart from the people of Israel for like the 40 years and here it Here he's providing this guidance, GPS system, so to speak, that they were to follow. Um, And it says when the the army was pressing in on him, the angel of God was going before the host of Israel, moving and went behind them, and the the pillar of cloud moved from behind them and stood in front of them. And so the point is, is that the angel of God You know, this is like a theophany, God showing up in this cloud, literally protecting Israel and and also guiding them forward. And so this is a supernatural event that's happening actively 24-7 for Israel. And so he's also orchestrating a a plan here where, where he says, I want you to go basically by the Red Sea in verses 1 to 4. God tells uh, Israel to change directions. They were going to go from point A to point B directly to Sinai through the wilderness. But God says, no, don't do that. I want you to change directions and go towards the Red Sea. And they didn't realize what was going on. But Moses and the Israelites followed the cloud and they listened to the Lord. And they didn't realize that God was setting up the perfect ambush. (laughs) He was going to bring them to the, to the sea, and and then, obviously, he's going to bring this wind that's going to, uh, you know, create the dry land through the sea and the walls of water on the side. If you've ever seen the old Charlton Heston Ten Commandments, it's like, you know, special effects in the 1950s, but it's a pretty cool movie, and it shows, you know, that this wall of water and Israel is going through on dry land, and ultimately, what God is doing is he's guiding them and he's setting the perfect trap, the perfect ambush for their enemies. But they didn't know it at the time. They did not know it. They're thinking go from point A to point B, but God is redirecting them. So this is often how God works in our lives. He he guides us, he redirects our paths because he knows the big story. He knows the big plan. Um, and, And ultimately he gives us a person. Okay, he gives us a plan, he gives us a person, and that is Moses, um, who was his mediator, the one we looked at a couple weeks ago when God called him at the burning bush to go back and to lead his people. And so um, God gives us people. Moses became God's mouthpiece. Moses had God's staff, the power to announce the judgments and the plagues from God. And, and so they've seen Moses lead them. They've seen the plagues come through Moses' staff. Uh, God is, you know, he's God's mouthpiece to Egypt and Pharaoh, and now he is leading them. And so what do, what do we have? Okay, what do we have now? Well, we have similar things, but they're different. You know, we don't have a cloud, a pillar, you know, but we have the Holy Spirit. You know, the, the Lord Jesus has ascended to heaven. He sent his spirit. And now we have a comforter, a counselor, a guide, someone who convicts us of sin. And so, for every Christian, like he's deposited the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit in you, and you have the Holy Spirit to guide you, and and to commune with you, and to pray for you, and to cry out to God for you. And so, um, God has not left us alone. He's got. He's put the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The question is, are we open to it? Are we listening to the Holy Spirit? Are we quiet? And are we crying out to the Holy Spirit? Or are we just like trying to live our lives by our own? He's given us the word of God as well. Another guidance. um, We have the word um, that is his direct revelation to us to know him, to know our purpose, to know what to do, to know the big picture of our life. Uh, that we need Christ, that we need to repent, that we need believers. And then just like he provided leadership with Moses, he's given us leadership through his church, through spiritual guides in our life. In Ephesians four, eleven, it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the son of God to mature manhood and womanhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So the point is, God has given you the church and leaders uh in the church to help guide us and so that we won't turn back he's given us shepherds to help us he's given us fellowship he's given us people that teach the bible people to help counsel us people to encourage us and so big the big point here is church (laughs) you need the church i need the church we need the fellowship of believers right now because that's our guidance That's our guidance for how to live our life. And that's our encouragement for staying in the fight together and not turning back. I guarantee you, if you just decide, like, I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to come to RUF. I'm not going to go to small group. I'm not going to read my Bible. If you take all the means of grace out of your life, you will dry up. You will be like a little stick that is like not going to bear any fruit. And and so I, I encourage you to really be committed to God's people. I encourage you to really be committed to worship. You know, some of the churches now are coming back in person. Wallace is in person. Port Towns is going to be coming in person more. We, they had an outdoor service. Um, I really, really want to encourage you to be at church, because that's, even if you don't feel like it, because it's not about feelings, it's about following Jesus, and say, and asking him to change you, and be a part of it, so um, to be serious about this, this mission that God gives us, we have to, like, put ourselves in those places where we're going to be encouraged, or we're going to be f- filled with his spirit, we're going to be ministered to, we're going to be rebuked when we sin. We're gonna be like disciplined and also shown grace and love. And and uh that's the beauty of you know the, the family of God. Um and so take advantage of that um because I don't know if you knew this guys but like two thirds of students that grow up in the church two-thirds of kids that come out of church families when they go to college they leave the faith they leave the church now, some of them come back when they have when they get married and they have kids because then they're like, oh, what do I do? <laughs> and they start going back to their faith. But two-thirds, 67% of people that grow up in the church that know the answers, they leave the faith. That's just known. And so now is the time for you guys to wrestle with your faith and to wrestle with what am I – Who's guiding me? Who's leading me in my life? Is it just me? Is it the culture? Or am I really going to God's word and God's authority and God's church um, to help me with my questions? And so now's the time to get serious with your questions. Uh, Now's the time to really uh, ask God to like give you the truth. A lot of people don't know what their questions are until they get to college or until they get out of their parents' house. Now's the time to ask those questions, and we we love you. That's what we're. That's what Josh and Valerie and, and myself are here for, um, to help you guys. And so don't be afraid. I've had lots of doubts. Um, you know, we don't we don't claim to have all the answers. Uh, Jesus does though, and He can help you. So wrestle with the truth now. Um, be honest about your questions and doubts now. Um, okay. Last thing is this. Share in God's victory, because ultimately what this passage is about is uh, God providing for Israel in this unbelievable victory and the defeat of Egypt and its army and Pharaoh and the chariots and all the, the horsemen being sunk and drowning in the Red Sea. And so verse 21 Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night. Who did it? The Lord did it. And the waters were divided, and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry land, and the Egyptians pursued and went in after them in the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And the Egyptians said, here's what they said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them. Against the Egyptians so that they knew the Egyptians knew that God was fighting for them. Verse twenty-eight, thirty. 30, the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the hosts of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea and not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea. Thus, the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore and so here it is the lord is the one who is acting here the lord is delivering and uh ultimately what moses says to israel's is, fear not stand firm and see the salvation of the lord which he will work for you today you the lord will fight for you he says in verse 14 you have only to be silent so my point being here is that god is saving israel Israel is not saving itself. This is what the gospel is. This is a picture, a foreshadowing of the gospel. Israel is doing nothing. Israel is scared, but God is doing all the work. He's delivering them. All they're doing is following and going through. That's what the gospel is. And this is what gets us through. The gospel says Jesus is the one who has won the great victory for us on the cross. We didn't, the gospel is not what I do. The gospel is what Jesus has done for me and you. His death and resurrection on the cross saves us. That's what we warm our hearts with when we're doubting, and we're when we're like think you know um, we're running after our sin or running away from God. We remember again and again that God loves sinners. He died for sinners. He's gracious with sinners. He loves repentance. He goes after the prodigal. Why? Because He's the one who wins the victory for us. And so. Then, then, then it says Israel believed. It says Israel saw the great power of the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. And so faith, you know, we believe in this gospel, this victory that God has won in Jesus Christ. And this picture is the greatest picture of redemption, the Passover. And the deliverance out of Egypt is, is really the greatest picture of God's salvation for Israel in the Old Testament. And it's what next week, we have Holy Week, what the cross and what the resurrection are all pointing to in the New Testament. Psalms sing about it, 106, Isaiah 63, chapter 15, and Exodus. And so the, the key is, how do we not turn back? We, we remember again and again the deliverance of God that This is Jesus's victory for us that we can rest in that, that the good news is God did all the work and we just are silent and in all of what he has done. And we just believe it and we rest in it. And that gives us hope and it, and it helps, helps doubters not turn back. Right. And so, um, I want to encourage you guys wrestle with this, wrestle with the Lord. Let's be honest. Let's ask questions. And so, when we go into small groups here in a second, um, the, the the questions are: number one, what makes you want to turn back and give up your following Christ? So that's one question to ask in small group. What what makes you want to turn back and give it up? Okay. And then second, what helps you stay in the fight? And then have some prayer for one another. We're gonna do I think twelve minutes. And let me pray, and then we'll send you off to groups. Lord, thank you for this time. Bless my friends as we wrestle with who you are. Uh, I pray that you would just reveal yourself more and more to us, that we would be confident in our faith. Lord, that we wouldn't fall away, that we would stay pursuing you and following you in Jesus' name. Amen.